sub-license your own rights and work it out between you that way. Um, so, and, and uh, um, I've done that and I've published two of the five backlist, uh, one of which is currently in the top 100, which is very nice. Um, and again, the, the, uh, the sales pattern for all of them is very interesting because it's the reverse of what you find in print, where in, in print you normally get a huge explosion when you first you know, launch a book. And then the sales kind of dwindle off fairly rapidly after the first month or two or whatever, and then the bookstores book send them back after about three months, and, and that's it. Um, with uh, with ebooks, it's very much a cumulative effect. Um, the, the the more you sell, the more you tend to sell, particularly on Amazon, which is the really big one for for most indie authors, mainly to do with this kind of internal recommendation algorithm that they have. Um, which accounts for a hell of a lot of sales. Um, most of mine, I think, would, would come from that. And so most, sorry, uh, where would you say oh, yeah, most of the readers... You were going to ask me questions, oh, weren't yeah. you? Sorry, Jenny. <laughs> where would you say most of the readers came from who were buying those books of yours on Amazon? It was a good percentage coming from the States, do you think? Or Oh, no, I know exactly. Um, the, 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 what, what happened was... Um, because you get your, your, your sales are uh, accounted separately, so that you know um, precisely the, you know, the territory where you're selling them. So you get, get a separate check from Amazon.com, from Amazon.co.uk. Also, your figures are updated in real time, so you know right from you know, minute to minute, basically, how many, how many books you've sold. Um, the, uh, the, the initially, what happened was that um, the incremental increase happened in the UK, so that in February, Bye Bye Baby was doing really well, and that's basically it peaked in February. Um, and in America, it looked as if it was true what publishers had been saying for a long time, which is that it's very difficult to sell on the other side of the Atlantic, you know, both ways. So it's hard for American writers to sell in the UK, and it's hard for UK writers to sell in America. Um, but what happened was that um, it also, you know, gathered momentum in the same way in America. It just took longer to do it. And the biggest month in America was May. I'm not exactly sure how many I sold. It probably wasn't 9,000, maybe about 5,000. But the overall split between the UK and the US at the moment is about two to one in favor of the UK. And can you talk us through the economics of it? Yeah, doing it yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the one thing I wanted to say was oh, the... Sorry, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, just because I'll forget. Um, of the 50-odd sort of thousand books that I've sold as e-books so far, uh, most of them, um, certainly the, the, the two big-selling novellas, um, are also available uh, for um, Apple, for, for Kobo, <clears throat> for Sony, for, you know, pretty much most of the, um, the other e-reading devices that, that you hear about. And between all of those, I have sold about 120 copies. So the, the, the difference between Amazon and the rest is, is monumental. Um, oh, sorry, what was the question? This, the uh, economics. This question, yeah. yeah. All right, good. Yeah. Well, it's, the, the idea is that how, how do people find out that the book is available? So if it's just sitting there, they're not going to find out because they're not going to stumble across it by accident. It's unlikely. 
Um, so my initial thought was I'll do, I'll do what I would normally do if it was a print book and I'd kind of do interviews on crime blogs or whatever, things like that. Uh, send out a newsletter, you know, to people you'd think would be very keen to buy the book because they've all asked to be on the newsletter and to be notified when you have a new book out. But the thing is that they're not e-book readers or they weren't at the time, you know. Um, so I quickly learned from John that the thing to do was to go where e-book readers hang out. Don't expect them to come to you. You have to go find them. And the places they tend to hang out are, amazingly enough, on Amazon, on the forums on Amazon, on um, kindleboards.com, um, Kindle UK users forum, you know, places like that. Um, so that's what I did. I just kind of went along there and uh, let people, you know, know that the book was available. There's an element of self-promotion that's allowed there. Um, depends, you know, from, from various forum to forum, you know, they have the different standards. Um, Amazon.com doesn't like it at all, for instance. Um, and they've got, this, they've got this little ghetto area on it called Meet the Authors, which nobody ever goes to apart from authors. So <laughs> 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 really, you should just call it the ghetto, because that's what it is. Um, so yeah, it, it, that kind of thing, and just interacting on there. And you, you don't even, it's not even a case of having to say, um, you know, I have this book and it's available or whatever, because you have a little signature link or whatever, which, because of the way these work, they're kind of like old-style bulletin boards, really, you know? Um, uh, so you've got a signature and it has a link in it to your book, so anybody who's interested in what you're saying might well click on that and have a look and see what's going on. Yes? Yeah, I was. I wasn't hugely out of pocket. Yeah, the, the, the economics. Um, well, I did the formatting myself, which uh, I think, um, certainly if you're just going to do it for Kindle, it's so easy. It's really easy. The difficult one is EPUB. EPUB is complicated because it has certain standards and all the rest of it. Kindle is pretty much a case of taking a Word document saving it as um, an HTML file, which you do with just choosing one of the extensions. Um, and then you might have one or two tweaks to make, um, but you just can pretty much upload that file. Um, and so all you, all you need is that, and you need a cover image. And so that's a matter of knowing somebody or finding somebody who can do that for you. And there's lots and lots of freelance cover designers now. And the average price would be most of the ones I know are American, so like between 100 and 200 dollars. But you know, you can get them. You can get them cheaper than that. So mine, mine were 50 dollars. That was mates' rates from the guy who had designed my very first print book, who I'd known for a while. And I said, "Can you, can you do me a, you know, you must have done about 20 covers for that book. Do you want to do a 21st and all? <laughs> I'll pay you a huge sum of money for it." Um, so he very kind of, and then we did it on a, basically on an escalator, you know, which is a nice way to do it. So that the more I sell, the more money that he makes for getting the cover. So you never that much out of pocket. Uh, it is important though that cover, isn't it? Because you really know when important. you're selling it on Amazon, you just see that little image. Yeah, yeah. Particularly if you, it's on your, you know, getting a recommendation actually on your Kindle, because a lot of the time, 
all you're going to see, all the, the reader is going to see, or the prospective reader, um, is that thumbnail image and the price. That's really it. That's all they see. That's what they're making a decision on. Do I click on this or not to find out more about it? Um, so, yeah, it is very important. So, no, I know a lot of people think an ebook jacket oh, it doesn't matter. It's an ebook. Why would you want, you know, why, why is it of any relevance? But it is. It's very much a key selling tool and has to be designed accordingly as well, I think, because um, you don't want anything that's like too fussy and the text has to be mm. a reasonable size and all the rest of it, you, you, so you can read it when it's um, at that um, horrible thumbnail size in shades of grey. Yeah. I think that the, uh, it's almost identical to print. You know, what seems to do well as an e-book seems to do well in print, and the stuff that's hard to sell in print, like literary fiction, is very hard to sell um, as e-books, but that's not to say it can't be done. Um, it can but be done. The, the, one, the one big difference probably is erotica. I don't know if anybody writes erotic fiction or is prepared to say so, but... Um, <laughs> but you might want to think about it. <laughs> um, erotica has always been something that um, I speak as... Um, one of my first jobs when I started working at Waterstones, they gave me the erotica section to run. <laughs> I, I did a good job of that as well. Um, and uh, very interesting, the demographic of the readers of the erotica fiction and the, um, the imprints that we were buying into Orsons at the time were very much erotic fiction um, presented as um, by women for women. And the big successes in erotic fiction online have also been female, like El Elora's Cave, for instance, which has been making money for um, e-book authors well before Kindle came on the market. And I think it's just because of the, the anonymity of it. Because you don't have to go up and buy a copy of it and be embarrassed by some, you know, Clark guy going, <laughs> Didn't think you'd be into that. Um, so, you know, it, 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 is, it, is a, it is the one area that, that's a bit different. And I suppose um, with the graphic limitations as well, you find that, um, you know, certain you know, picture books, for instance, just don't work at the moment in the same way, but they will in time. Al, there's a question just straight over there, yes. Yeah. Did you hear no. that? Yeah, the, the question was, um, do, in, is it in general, you mean in general or? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there is, and the answer is yes, they are. The older, the older, the better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the, 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 do you think a lot, a lot of, a lot of heavy readers tend to be in that kind of demographic, and the first adopt. I mean, if you, why would you buy a Kindle if you weren't a heavy reader? Why? What's the point? It's a dedicated ebook reading device. So you want to be, you know, and you're making an investment of a fair amount of money, so you're going to be a pretty keen reader. Or somebody who buys it to you as a present is going to think you are. 
Um, so that kind of demographic is, is ideal. Yeah, but many, many, yes, absolutely, you know, anybody who doesn't have perfect eyesight, um, it's, it's great. Also, you know, you can stick an entire library on it when you go on holidays, you don't have to, you know, I used to carry a rucksack full of books with me anytime I went around, manuscripts and stuff, you know, um, all of that you just send to the Kindle and choose what you want to read when you're there. Al, there's a question just here. Yeah. Well, it depends what age you're talking about. I mean, young young adult is. Well, young adult is is big. Yeah, young adult is massive. Is this? I mean, it's a case of like one one successful book or one successful author completely skews the figures. You know, um, one of the most successful independent authors in the world um, is called Amanda Hocking, H-O-C-K-I-N-G, um, and she writes a, a young adult paranormal series. But it's a bit like Twilight, I believe. But I haven't, I haven't read it. But that, that kind of thing. Um, and she, um, she's a, the first ever Kindle millionaire. Made a million dollars. Um, and then having done all of that, used that as a platform to get this really nice deal with St. Martin's for subsequent books. And she still you know, self-publishes her backlist as well. Question here. Really critical, yeah. Oh, so should we just talk about the economics at this point? That would be about how it, the split, how in, it works. In terms of how it works for the author? Yeah. Um, well, on, on, on the, let me see. If you have a deal with a normal publisher, the industry standard um, at the moment is 25% of net receipts. That's how much you would get for, you as the author would get for your digital rights. So you get 20, you know, if, if it's 10, if it's 10 pounds, and uh, so it sells on Amazon, and Amazon are taking 30% of it, then the publisher will get, um, will receive seven pounds, and then out of that, they will take three quarters of it, and you will get what's left, after your agent takes their cut. <laughs> uh, which is, uh, works out about 17.5%, I think, overall. Um, if you self-publish, you go direct to Amazon. If you sell the book at £1.49 plus VAT or more, but not more than 9.99, then you get 70% yourself of the retail price. If you choose to um, make the price lower than that, which you can do to a minimum of uh, 75p plus VAT, which is 86p, because it's 15% VAT, because not a lot of people know that Amazon are VAT registered in Luxembourg, not the UK. And the VAT rate in Luxembourg is 15%. So if we ban VAT on e-books in the UK, um, Luxembourg will still get 15%, and VAT will still be on all the books that Amazon are selling, unless we can persuade them that it's a good idea to actually ship their e-books out of the UK, which I guess is not going to be that hard, is it? Um, but yeah, it's thirty-five uh, percent if it's below that one forty-nine. 
35% of the author gets as royalties. So if you're charging, say you charge, um, you know, a pound, 35p every book you sell. So if you sell 50,000 books, then so I don't know what that is. It's quite it's a few quid. Anybody good at mental arithmetic? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, it should be really simple. We're writers. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> Can see why. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, you, generally speaking. Um, if you if you take the 70% option, so you know, if, if, if you're just charging a couple of quid, you know. It's still fairly cheap. It's an attractive proposition for somebody who maybe hasn't read any of your books before and they want to try you out, you know? Um, big difference from a £20 hardback or what have you, you know? Which has always been difficult to, to sell as, a, as an unknown writer, you know? Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, um, the pricing is, is definitely an interesting area. And the, the thing that kind of interests me is the fact that with ebooks, you don't, you know, people are frequently saying, what, what price are they? And I'm like, well, what day is it? You know, why do you have to have a price? You know, you, you can determine, you can charge a certain price in the morning, you can change it and charge another price in the afternoon. And you can, you know, have a 99p day on Friday. It's entirely up to you. You have that flexibility to change the price and charge what you like. Um, and if you're self-publishing through Amazon, they don't actually even list um, an RRP. The price is just whatever you happen to have set it at at that point, which can be entirely flexible. And one of the techniques that a lot of people um, use actually has a, has a name that's become so popular now. It's called price pulsing. And what you do with that is you start off at a very low price to get people to, you know, to try your book out. And then uh, once it gathers momentum and picks up and becomes more visible and gets more recommendations on Amazon and more people see it because it appears in the Amazon charts, you know, they have category charts for everything. You know, you can find categories for fiction, historical fiction, historical fiction, pirate, <laughs> historical fiction, pirate, love. You know, I mean, it's just, you, get, you can get as... Uh, you know, subcategory as, as, as possible. Um, and then there's, there's a reader for every niche. That's the great thing about Amazon. Um, but yeah, um, sorry, I lost track there with the pirate love. Just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> always happens. Huh? Price pulsing. So what you do, once your pirate love book gets bought by um, enough people and it gets up there and it becomes visible for everybody who's browsing, browsing the pirate love section, um, then uh, you can push that price up because it can sustain it a bit more because it's got that visibility. Um, and whatever you want to you know, change it to is entirely up to you. So you can start with that 99p where you're only taking 35% of the royalties. And once you get in the top 10 of that category, say then, change it to 199 give it a few days, see what effect it has, and if you're still selling the same numbers because of the greater visibility, then you keep it there, and if not, you can always change it again, you know?
Well, it's, it's, a, it's a disadvantage if you've published on Kindle and you've sold six books. Because it, it's a huge advantage if you've sold on Kindle and you've sold 30,000 or something. So it, it's entirely... The, the good thing with Kindle is that if you do publish on Kindle and you only sell six books and you don't want to let that be known, you just unpublish it. Gone. <laughs> Instantly, it's gone. Um, and all of a sudden, you don't have this, um, you know, on your... On your you, you could always use a pseudonym to start off with, just in case. Um, but yeah, it's the sort of thing that... Um, can look good or bad just depending on what kind of degree of success you have. The one thing I would advise against, though, is what I get a lot is of people saying, I've, I've sold, you know, I published these two books and I've sold huge amounts of them and I'm really happy and, and they've like sold a couple of hundred or something, you know. It's not huge amounts, really. There's a question, just that lady over there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So how does that compare with the self-publishing digitally? Is it a completely different sort of universe? Totally. Right. Yeah, I mean, HarperCollins bought four books from a writing team recently called, what are the names? Mark Edwards and Louise Voss. They self-published two books, two thrillers, and they were at one point they were number one and two in the Kindle charts. Amazon came along and said, oh, we'll give you a four-book deal. You're interested? So, okay. Um, I mean, it happens a lot. One of, the, one of the really interesting developments is that Amazon now have a separate publishing wing that, that operates as a normal publisher would. In other words, they don't offer you 70% net profits, you know, sadly. Um, and what they're doing, part of the way that they are finding authors is just by looking at who's being very successful on their own and self-publishing and saying, would you like to, would you like to come on board with us? And, you know, we, we have a large database of readers and we know exactly what they like to read and we're very good at selling books. They are extraordinarily good at selling books. Al, so, should we just turn now at this point to yeah. how you have come, become a digital publisher? Yeah, I kind of wish I knew the answer to that. Um, drag kicking and screaming. The last thing in the world I ever wanted to do was be a publisher, you know. Um, you have to be completely mad to even think about it. So there you go. Um, yeah. Well, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it stemmed from um, the fact that publishers are becoming increasingly risk-averse because it's, you know... It's a difficult marketplace. Um, so working as an agent, of, you've maybe covered a bit of this of you already, but you, know, you, you, you see a lot of manuscripts coming in from, sometimes from writers who are you know, really good and um, established even, um, but you know, publishers are just not prepared to you know, go that extra mile and publish the damn thing. You know? And it becomes incredibly infuriating when you see really, really good books um, being treated like that. So uh, when uh, the opportunity arose, 
from a um, guy called Kyle McRae, who is a social media consultant. And he basically approached me going, right, well, he was interested in what I'd done with eBooks, and he was interested in knowing how to, um, how to explore opportunities for authors to get more prominence out there. And when we first started talking, we were really just thinking in terms of like the kind of author service or something like that. But one thing led to another, and it became fairly quickly obvious that what we were really thinking about was an entire you know, publishing service, like a traditional publisher, apart from not really dealing with, with print. Because there were so many good books I already knew, so many, not just from um, my own clients, but from other writers that I knew, you know, who, I, I mean, I, I, hardly any writers I know who don't have at least one book that the publisher didn't want. Um, there's a guy, uh, Stephen Leather, who is the, the, you may have heard of him, he's the, um, he's published about 20 thrillers with Hodder and uh, sold, you know, a lot, a lot of books uh, in his time. And he had three or four books that, that Hodder didn't really want. And um, so he, like me, last, last Christmas, he just made them available on Kindle. And uh, he's by far the biggest selling UK self-published author, I sold about three quarters of a million of them. Um, and interesting enough, Amazon's publishing arm have just published uh, two of those three novellas. Um, so they're, they're, you know, snapping him up as well, as they do with everybody um, who's doing any good. So he effectively now has two publishers. He's got Amazon and Hodder. Sorry, what was that question? You're, you're talking about blasted teeth. Oh, yeah, blasted <laughs> teeth, yeah. Oh, publicity, I just don't want to be thinking about publishing, do I? Um, yeah, so we, we decided anyway that we would, um, um, we would have a go at, uh, at launching a, a proper publishing company. So uh, one of the interesting areas there for me was uh, the kind of conflict of interest situation because like, being an agent and being a publisher, you're kind of you know how do, how do you deal with that if the you know the person that you are representing um the author that you're representing is also the author that you you know you want to you know you want to get the best deal for the publisher as well so it became a really difficult one that i thought there might be a way around it and there wasn't so what i had to do with se uh, several of my clients who were in this position was say to them i can either be your agent or your publisher i can't be both you'll have to choose so a number of them fired me and then immediately hired me again as a, a publisher so it was a strange time um, but we launched at the start of November and uh, things have been quite good so far so they're effectively just like a normal um, publishing house apart from we only acquire the rights that we use which is digital only world English nothing else that's it do you still use Amazon for selling yeah well, it's the big one. Yeah. Yeah. We do EPUB versions of them as well, and we have e-commerce on the website and everything, you know. But, uh, but yeah, the, the big one is, is Amazon by far. What happens if you take an extra little bit of commission off the Amazon sales and the Netflix? Yeah, our net profit splits 50-50 with the author. If you check out the website, you'll see, I mean, there's a lot of marketing and stuff goes on there. From our from our perspective, so it's not it's it's, it's not that we're kind of seeing. Uh, perhaps I used the wrong term there when I said publishing servers. We're a publisher like any other publisher. Yeah. 
It's not, you can't come to us and say, I'd like to publish this book with you. We'd say, well, we'll consider it then, possibly. Um, but yeah, um, we're just a normal publisher. We just don't do print. Um, I think there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. Uh, is there a separate market for um, people who like ebooks and people who like paper books, or do they cross over? Um, yeah, uh, there's, there's a large amount of crossover. There are there are a lot of people who hate the idea of ebooks. They don't want to have anything to do with ebooks. They think they smell. Um, it's the one thing they do not do: smell. <laughs> Um, you can buy a little canister called Smell of Books, you know. It's, <laughs> it's a good idea, that. Um, yeah, the, the, yeah, I was talking to a couple of uh, booksellers the other day, actually, who were really vehemently opposed to e-books. They just cannot, cannot abide them. Um, I mean, I don't know. I've, I've got... Uh, when, when, when the Sony Reader first came out, you know, I got one straight away. I just thought, this is... Is fabulous, and my immediate thought was, from an author's perspective, excellent. Here's an extra revenue stream. That that's what I thought, you know. Um, so looking at it from an author's perspective, there's no question that that's what you have. You have that possibility now. I mean, you you notice that I think um, about four of the bigger publishers have set up um, short fiction digitalists just in the last few weeks or so. Um, Ebooks are the reason, you know, why that's happening because it's just not something that's feasible um, to do in, in print, you know. Um, and, and novellas are really making a comeback as well because again, there's no there's no kind of perceived value there that you get, you know, with a with a book that's awful thin for five ninety nine, you know, it's you know, it's whatever size it is and it's priced accordingly as an ebook. Does it do as well as fiction in print? Because there's no difference. You know, there, there is absolutely no difference that I can see between print and ebooks. All it is, it's like, it's like saying, what's the difference between hardback and paperback? What you have with ebooks is you have a different container, but the text is identical. So the, the people who want to read it um, are going to be the same people. Um, and I'm pretty sure that the... Uh, it's very hard to get actual figures, you know, with e-books because at the moment, certainly in the UK, Amazon don't actually release figures. So to finding out the, the splits is quite hard. But if you look at what tends to be in the top charts on Amazon, it's very similar to what you'd find in bookstores, chain bookstores, you know. There's a lady just here. Yeah. No, not at all. Um, big rambling sci-fi fantasy is doing incredibly well, actually. Um, there's a guy called Michael Sullivan who's doing incredibly well. Uh, who writes very, you know, very big books. Um, so no, there's the readers for all sorts, you know. Um, that's the beauty of it. 
Although you, you don't necessarily have to, if you have a very long book, you could, you could split it up instead of charging, you know, um, 2.99 or whatever, you could split it up into three lots of 99p or something if you wanted. But you could also, you know, do both. You can split it into three and do it as one book. All sorts of things that you can't do in print very easily. You know, you can mix and match all sorts of stuff. You can have a, no a novel combined with a novella if you happen to feature two characters, you know, who appear in both. Um, you could have an omnibus of three of your related books that you charge a bit less for than you would to buy all three singly. Just for that initial outlay, really, which is the the formatting, which could just be your time, and the cost of the cover, which is not huge amounts. Al, do you want to say something about editing? Um, mm -hmm. For a, an author who wants to put their own work up, what about getting that independent editorial advice? Yeah, I think, you know, unless you're a bit special, as one or two people are, there's a writer called Lex Revelion who's done incredibly well, and she's not had any editing. It's all, it's all herself, you know, and uh, reads really well. Um, Amanda Hawking, I don't think, had any editing. She had some copy editing, but I don't think she had any editing, and people didn't seem to mind too much, but that's very story-driven stuff, you know? Um, personally, I wouldn't put anything out without you know, having, having a professional edit done. And there are increasing numbers of people, uh, freelance editors out there, able to do that, to provide that service, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, one of the great resources is, uh, you'll find on, um, I mentioned it before, the Kindle boards, it's kindleboards.com, um, and there's, this, there's an area in there called the Writer's Cafe, and you quite frequently find links to, um, to editors and to cover designers, you know, who, who do freelance work. I can't vouch for the standard of any of them. You'd have to do your research like you would with anybody, really. But I think that, that um, objective eye is, is very important. So unless you happen to, to know some very good editors, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For instance, a short story which has the same character as a novel or something like that. Yeah. Does that work? Does it? Yeah. Have you ever I think so. Um, um, I mean, I, I, I've given away a lot of copies of Bye Bye Baby, which is the one that sold very well. I mean, the experience of giving things away free, there's a very successful book called The Da Vinci Code. Um, and part of the reason why that's so successful is possibly because 10,000 advanced reading copies were sent out to booksellers. So, you know, the whole idea of, 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 of marketing, the holy grail, really, is to generate word of mouth. Isn't that what happened to Stieg Larsson as well in London? Very possibly, yeah. The whole thousands of copies were left, right. you know, available through tube stations oh, and really? all the rest of it. Mm trying to spread the word of mouth about Interesting. it. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of, you know, it's the holy grail, so how do, you, how do you do that? You know, that's the thing. It's all marketing really is about. It's about trying to generate word of mouth. Um, 
But you do know that the more people who read your books, the more likely it is that some of them are going to like it and some of them are going to tell people that they like it. You know, And one of the biggest problems, I think, that we face as being writers, and this is not an original comment, uh, but I can't credit the person who first said it because um, I've, I don't know who it is. Um, <laughs> but one of, one, of the, uh, one of the biggest problems that, that we face is obscurity. You know, it's when people talk about piracy issues and stuff, you know, it's like actually piracy is not as big an issue for most authors as obscurity, you know. Obscurity is the real killer. It will destroy your career. <laughs> piracy means that people want to read what you're writing. That's a good thing, you know. Please let me read what you're writing. Thank you. Um, yeah, so free, um, and I presume you were talking about legal free, uh, you can, you yeah, you can do it yourself or you can actually, um, there are ways to do it, to use Amazon to do that for you. Um, so, um, you, you, you basically, um, they, they won't let you put something on free, but there is a way around it where you upload it yourself, sell it yourself for free on your website and then you, um, you report yourself for selling it for free in Amazon, then price match. So that they then, <laughs> yeah, it's their, it's their policy. So they adhere to the policy. So that's how you can get a book on for free, because technically you can't. Technically, the lowest figure you can put something on is like 75p. But that's how you, do. you report. You, you get as many people as you can to report it as well. And the, you know, the the more people who report it, the more likely it is it'll happen. Um, and the people I know who have done that, it's usually with. Uh, short story collections, uh, occasionally with uh, the first novel in a series or something like that, but they tend to shift, you know, tens of thousands of copies that way. Um, so, you, you know, you, you, you get all these potential readers who like the sound of it, but maybe you weren't prepared to, to fork out some actual money for it. But it, once you hook them, then, you know, they'll come back for more. We've got time for one, one last question. I think okay. you were asking. Yeah. Uh, do you run a website and or blog, Twitter, Facebooky thing? And is it compulsory? And do you think you're self-publishing or anything? Blog, Facebook, Twitter thing. <laughs> um, it's a really difficult one to answer. Um, I, we uh, we're going to come to this actually in the next session, so maybe we should hold that. Sorry, I have got a microphone here and I'm not using it. Um, in, the, um, in the next session, we, uh, that's one of the main questions I'm going to put towards the whole panel. I mean, Alan, I'm sure, because you're not actually staying for the next session, but I'm sure that your view will be really interesting, but it will be dealt with in more detail in the next one. Hmm. Well, we should probably wind this session up because I think we've overrun just slightly. Al, thank you very much. Thank you for everybody's questions. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.